Well, hey there, and welcome to the Saints Church Glory Hills podcast. We're so happy that you joined us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, we believe that God will speak to you through one of our pastors today. Let's jump in. Uh, I think we got this on the screen. We're starting a new series as we make our way uh, into the fall for three weeks here. We're going to talk about hidden hope, hidden hope. And there's just some things that I want to bring and I want to share that I believe God is going to lead us forward in uh, for our own personal growth. But uh, I actually believe that every time God's doing something on the inside of us, uh, it's for something. It's not just for us to hold on to. And uh, don't hear me wrong. God cares about you and he wants to strengthen you and build your life. But very often when he's refining, he's processing, he's teaching you those things. Uh, the purpose goes so far beyond our immediate situations because when we allow God to shape and mold and change our lives and we become more like him, we become who he's called us to be. And that actually changes the trajectory of the men and women we are and how we relate to others. And, uh, you know, when we talk about hidden hope, there are just some things that I believe God uh, for Glory Hills here wants to bring to the surface over the next few weeks that are going to help us discover a little bit more who we are and who God has purposed us to be. Does that sound okay? Okay, so 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20 says this. It says, Timothy, guard, everyone say guard. Well, 30% of you are here with me today. <laughs> Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you and their so-called knowledge. Paul's writing to Timothy at the end of his first letter to Timothy. Timothy was his apprentice. Timothy's a, a younger pastor who would take one of the most prominent churches in the New Testament church, and he would become the lead pastor of that church, and he would start teaching people, and he would start building and sending people out and raising up leaders. And, you know, we, we hear scriptures about Timothy quite often. We've heard quoted the scripture, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. That's Paul writing to Timothy. He's saying, hey, wherever you're at, there is something God's doing in you, and it will be opposed by people and there will be things that come and they'll have so-called so-called knowledge and they'll say they know more and all those things but Paul's advice to Timothy is his Timothy guard everyone say guard. guard guard what God has entrusted to you and Paul's getting to this idea that God has entrusted something to Timothy that is valuable and it's worth protecting and guarding because it's going to shape who Timothy is, but it's actually going to shape the church and the people he leads and all of those things. And so this is what he ends his first letter to Timothy with is, Timothy, you need to guard what God's doing in your life because there is a great purpose behind this. And then the second letter to Timothy in the first chapter, Paul starts talking about the same idea again. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, it says this, this is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard, everyone say guard, what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, carefully guard, everyone say guard, the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Why don't we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's alive, it's living, it's powerful, it's active, it's sharper than any sword. It can speak to us on all levels of our heart and our life. Lord Jesus, I thank you for encouraging Johnny Rocket by giving the Detroit Lions the best season start they've ever had. 
and we pray for the Seahawks today in Jesus' name. Amen. Because I like football. Go Hawks. Let's talk about trust today. When we talk about a hidden hope, I want to talk to you about trust a little bit. You see, Annette's okay because Annette's seen me stand on this ladder on scaffolding to change that projector where I said, don't tell anyone else I did this. I have an uncanny faith in my ability to do certain things in an unsafe manner that our workers' compensation wouldn't really cover. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for protecting me. Yeah, she was praying. When it comes to trust, I think we have very different ideas of what trust is. And and Paul is talking to Timothy about guarding the thing that God has entrusted to him. And I, I think when we first talk about trust, we don't think of trust in that context, in that manner. We think about, can I trust someone? Uh, can I trust that this ladder that I think Terry found on Kijiji for really cheap uh, actually isn't broken and it's safe and it works? We, we think about what can we put our faith and trust in and who can I trust? And we've all done that. We've been there. Uh, if you have siblings, you've done this. Uh, you know, my brother Phil, it's his birthday today, so you should all high-five him. And if you feel strong... Give them the birthday bumps after the service. Uh, sound, sound men love that. And I re- Oh, wow. He turns my mic off. <laughs> Trust. I remember growing up. And myself and uh, some of my cousins would do these things. And we wouldn't really want to try them, and we thought they were kind of safe, so we'd make our younger siblings try them first. You ever been there? You've done that? Like, I was watching uh, Home Improvement with my kids. We've been watching that, and Brandy didn't grow up with brothers, and we were kind of watching, and she's like, and even Sienna's saying, these boys, the older boys are so mean to the youngest brother. Like, the things they do to him and the torture they put him through. And I'm like, I kind of totally relate. I was that to Phil and my other cousins, you know? It was... Uh, we'd build a tree house out at my grandparents' farm, and uh, our, our, our younger siblings, there was three of us that all had birthdays within a month of each other, and then our siblings, three of them, had birthdays just two years behind us, and we'd be building this, like, tree fort, and be like, is that safe? We're like, yeah, yeah, totally, it should be safe. You guys go up first. <laughs> you know, uh, tell Phil things like, let's hook up a saucer behind the skidoo with a ski rope uh, for water skiing, and just hold on, and no matter what you do, don't let go. And we're going to build the jump that's three, four feet in the air, and, and just trust me, it'll be fine. And I remember taking my brother off of that and coming down, and I looked back, and he was not behind the snowmobile, and in his hands were two pieces of the sled, and everything had shattered under him when he came down. Because that's what we do to older siblings. We say, just trust me. But, uh, but sooner or later, your word is not enough. That trust me becomes very vague. And it's like, yeah, sure. And you're like, kind of like, you hear the word trust me. And you're looking for what's bad that's going to happen here. And unfortunately, we've done that with a lot of people. And we wonder, and we're in a day and age where they're actually saying that the next generation... Uh, for leaders to lead people, they will take 
They will be all in when they're in, but they will take longer to trust and move forward than any generation before them. Because there's been so many false hopes, there's been so many things spoken out there that they've been told, this will work, this is real, this is how it is. And they've seen it time and time again fall apart or people not follow through. And so they want to have purpose and something to live for and they want to get on board with a cause, but they are so slow to trust and fully give themselves to something. Why? Because trust hasn't meant a lot to them in their lifetime. Right, not to bring this up, but, you know, we had this little situation over the last few years, and it's like, oh, trust me, this works, and then like six months later, not even a month later, actually, that doesn't work, try this, this works, and then, oh, actually, that's not working either. Like, there's this whole, and everyone's doing their best, but saying, I'm just going to take you at your word and trust you, it, it, it has such a shallow meaning now. But I want to talk about a different type of trust. Because when you actually look at your life in a different viewpoint, from a different perspective, trust actually takes on a measure of faith and deposit. So when you take out a savings or you want to invest in something, what you're doing is you are in faith putting something in someone's trust or a trust in something, hoping that the deposit will strengthen, grow, and bring a return. And when Paul's talking to Timothy, he's really talking about not just like, oh, Paul, Paul's not saying, Timothy, just trust me, trust me, trust me. He doesn't use those empty words. Paul says, Timothy, I've given you wholesome, right teaching. I've given you the ways of God. Don't just take my word for it. Trust God and trust what has been sown and planted and been growing on the inside of you because Jesus can be trusted. Even as the great Apostle Paul, he's saying, guard what God has entrusted to you. God has given us his word. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's told us there's future, there's purpose, there's a deposit. And he says, I want you to guard that because there will be so many things in life that cause you to mistrust, to disbelieve, to not see it grow, to not cause you to tend to those things. And he says, Timothy, you need to guard that. And it's a different type of trust. I think the reason we trust people at times and we put faith in things is because we have repeated patterns that they are trustworthy. You know, a lot of people don't like heights. They don't like ladders. But you watch some people that work in a trade, window washers, uh, painters, other people, when they're up and down a ladder all the time, I watch guys, like, I, I'm a little leery of it, but I watch how fast some guys go up and down. Like firefighters, when they're doing training and drills, they believe that the equipment they have and the things they have to use work the way it's supposed to work. So they don't second guess every step they're making up the ladder. They're running up and down. They're figuring out, like they trust the things that have been inspected, they're working wide. Also because they trust, they've put faith in the people who make sure that the things that they're using in their day-to-day -day job are secure and safe and there are checkpoints and balances and that it can be trustworthy, that the process, the materials, the things, it can all be trusted. And I think when it comes to faith, when it comes to our hope in Jesus, Sometimes we're looking for a whole lot of new things and new ways to do things, but I think often we got to go back to the things that God's laid the groundwork on of 
the power of the gospel, who his son is, the deposit that Jesus brings into our life by his grace and by our faith in him. And we go back to the deposit that God has made in humanity and the trustworthy things that do not change. Because there will always be new knowledges. There will be winds of doctrine. There will be things that come and go. But there are things in the gospel and the truth of who God is and what he said that they will not change. And God will prove them trustworthy time and time again. I'm going to do a flip. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Ryan would love to see that. So today, when we talk about trust, I actually want you to know just a couple of things because I think we're coming into a season and a time where we actually don't believe at times that there's anything in us that's worth anything to anyone around us. And, and we think, okay, well, my job in faith and my role in my walk with Jesus is that I need to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. And yes, you do. That's what you need to do to be saved, to have a relationship with the Father. It all comes through Jesus. But it's very interesting when we start reading things where Paul's talking to Timothy, where Paul is telling Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. And the first thing that I want everyone here to know today is that because of the grace of God on your life, because of who he is and what he wants to do in you and through you, there is a deposit or a trust that has been placed in each and every one of us. Isn't that an abnormally crazy thought that the God of the universe who would build everything And anything that we see, we know that it says that we don't even live or move or exist outside of Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to send Jesus into the world so I can have a relationship with people. And this God who has the entire world in his hands, this plan, the ability to change everything. He says, I'm actually going to put a deposit and a trust in something in human beings. And I'm going to work out my ways and my plans through people. And I would kind of stand here and be like, God, do you know people? Because I know people and I don't trust many people. And God says, no, 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 but because of my Holy Spirit, because of my Son, I am going to put something on the inside of people, a deposit that is actually going to change humanity and it should change the way that we live. In this scripture in Timothy, the word that Paul is using for trust or deposit, it's paratheke in the Greek, and, and it literally means a deposit or to deposit. And, and I, I want you to know that every single one of you have been given something in your life, in your makeup, in the way God created you, because I believe this. God says that we are created in the image of God, male and female, and that each and every person has been given gifts, talents, and abilities that come from God. And I think there are people who have no desire to serve God, but they're successful in life because they learn how to steward and use the gifts, talents, and abilities that an all-knowing, almighty God created them with. And sometimes as believers, we doubt and we wonder if God wants to use us or use the things inside of us. We doubt our value. We doubt if anything means anything, if we can offer the world, our friends, our family, anything. But what I really want you to understand and know today is that when God created you, he put a deposit inside of you, which means there is something inside of your makeup by the grace of God, of your gifts, talents, and abilities that has potential to grow 
to be used by God and to change people and to change you and your family and the trajectory that you walk down day in and day out. But we have to learn how to uh, buy into those things and we have to learn how to steward those things. It literally means that there is something in our lives that has the potential to change and grow. Like, I'm a little bit leery of, someone can give me a financial breakdown course later, but I had a hard time years ago when I was putting money in RSPs, and the return was less than 1%, and the interest on my house and other things was at like 4 and 5%. I'm kind of like, so I'm supposed to leave money sit there and pay five times the interest on something else because this is a better idea. Like, I, I'd have conversations with my bankers and stuff like that. But, you know, they always tell you, it's like, no, no, but it's the long-term thing. It has potential to grow if you invest the right way. And it's like, I understand there's principles and how this works and all of these things. And I think it's the same in the kingdom of God, where sometimes people, what they've done is they've not learned how to utilize and move those things around so things actually have the potential of growth. You don't actually want to just leave your money sitting somewhere where it has no potential to gain interest or grow. But often in our lives, that's what we do with our gifts, talents, and abilities. We leave them sit on the shelf, and we're like, well, one day if God wants to use them, he'll use them. And I actually think we need to put them in a place where they have potential to change people, to change us, and change things around us as they grow. And so I want us to know today that there has been a trust or a deposit for each and every one of us. But number two today I want us to know is this, is that in the kingdom of God, increase should not be the primary measuring stick. Faithfulness and stewardship are. Increase is not the marker of success. Faithfulness and stewardship are what God uses in his economy. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, we have this story of the talents. And it says this. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip And he called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. That's an interesting thing. Then he left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let's just pause right there. So many people pray this prayer. Lord, give me more. Lord, use me. Do you want to know what the reward for good work and faithfulness is? More work. (laughs) More responsibilities. With the gifting and the ability to increase your capacity to do those things. So I'm just saying, don't not pray for those things, 
But when you say, God, I want to be used of you. I want you to stretch me. I want you to grow me. I want to use the things that you've given me. When you are faithful in those things and you learn your new capacity and the level you can work at, God will bring more responsibility in your life. Why? Because he is seeing a stewardship of the investment he's made in your life and he can trust you with the things and the more. But often we're concerned about the more, but we don't want more responsibility. Okay, verse 22. That was a sidebar. It's not even part of the message. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and he said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. There's this funny thing. It's like if you went to work and your boss was like, Let's add a bunch of job responsibilities to your workload, and then let's go celebrate. <laughs> like, I like, like, you think about that in the context. You're like, that doesn't, that, oh, okay. And it's like it just kind of catches you off guard, right? Verse 25. Oh, then for 24. Then the man with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. Verse 26, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why did you not deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then the story goes on, and he takes the one bag from the, the steward and the, the servant with the one talent or whatever treasure, and he gives it to the guy with ten. And this is not a measuring stick of um, because he did better and increased. They, they both multiplied, the other two servants. But it was a measurement of the stewardship ability and the willingness to walk in what God had for them in this situation. And so here's a few things that I want us to note about this parable. And then I'm going to call the band back up because I actually want to end with three questions. Don't come up yet. I will call you when it's time to come up. If one of the singers wants to sing from the ladder, they're welcome to do that. <laughs> a few things to note here is that in the story and this parable, each person received a deposit. The deposit that God has placed in you was never meant to be compared to everyone else around you. It was a measure and a deposit that God created, with you, created you with to be used to your gifting, talent, and ability. And the difficult thing when we live in a culture and in a world where we have this global culture of we can compare on every level and every scale with everyone around us, we begin to devalue and undervalue the things that God had placed in us. And if we would simply be faithful in stewarding the things that God has called us to do, we can measure success and stewardship and purpose by a master, by a father, by serving our Savior that says, well done, because it's not about what they did and what you did it's about what you did with what God gave you so you can have that relationship and that joy together in the purpose of God for your life each person received a deposit each person had a choice to do what they wanted with it isn't that amazing the master doesn't tell them how to invest he doesn't tell them what to do with the money he doesn't tell them where to go with it I think God in his ultimate wisdom and sometimes the things we'll never understand in his 
uh, his omniscience and his all-knowingness, he would deposit in us gifts, talents, and abilities. And he said, hey, take the things that you're good at and why we have creative people and why we've seen things grow in the world and people do so many incredible things is because people have learned to steward what's in them and they thought maybe this could be used for that and they try things and it works and because they're stewarding the things that God placed inside of them, they're actually creating things. They're bringing life to things. They're opening doors for themselves and their families and other people. Why? Because they're actually believing that what they have inside of them could be used for incredible things and great value, and they are just using it. God doesn't come and tell you, here's your gifts, talents, and abilities, and just because you have this ability and that ability, some of us have overlapping talents, but we use them in all different fields and all different walks of life. Some of you are incredibly hospitable people. You love hosting and connecting with people. And so some of you do that in your work and industry. Some of you do that in a group. Some of you do that uh, in in the way you love your family and all these things. And and the reality is, is the comparison game doesn't matter. It's like, are you using what God's given you and believing that it's valuable? He didn't tell them what he wanted them to do with it. Every single investment had the potential to grow. Whether it was five, two, or one, it had the potential to grow. To grow. And there was a tragic end in this story that I fear if we don't realize the hidden hope that God has placed in each and every one of us in the infinite wisdom of how He's created us, we will fall so short of our purpose individually in our relationship with God, but also as a church and as a body is the tragic thing about the guy with the one bag of money or the one talent of silver is that he didn't know. He just didn't know. He didn't know the potential that was in his life. He didn't know the potential that was in his hands. He didn't know the true potential of what could be if he actually tried. If he took some initiative and worked with the things that he had been given. And most importantly, he didn't know the person who he was serving or working for. He had an idea of his master and how he would be treated and how he would react. And he was in a fear, uh, in a stance of fear-based, my gosh... He was in a standstill. He was in a deadlock because of fear. He was just so challenged by what to do. He couldn't make any decisions. He couldn't move forward in anything because he was so overwhelmed by the thought of making mistake or losing the investment or it not working out the way that he wanted to. And in that fear, he truly didn't know the heart of his master. And I believe there are a lot of believers, there are a lot of people that they see God as if they mess up or if they make a mistake or if they try things and it doesn't work out sometimes, 
They're so fearful that God is going to be angry and upset with them where I actually believe when we get to know our Savior and we get to know who he is, when we begin to use the gifts, talents, and abilities to say, Lord, show me how to use these, not just for my own personal gain so I can bless others, so I can lead my family, so I can provide a good life for them, so I can show other people the goodness of God based on the creative makeup and the gifts and the abilities inside of me. God would be pleased with our stewardship and our efforts. But we get so bound up and we get so stuck at times. And this this servant, his biggest tragedy wasn't that he felt like, well, they had more than me so they could do more. It was in the fact that he didn't know his master and who he was actually working for. And as believers, I don't want us to come to a place where we get to the end of our life and when we talk about God and we talk about Jesus and we talk about our potential and the purpose and the the gifts, the talents and abilities he's placed on the inside of us. And God says, those are actually going to be used for my glory and my purpose. And and, and Christ in us is the hope of the world that we could actually be used of God to show other people how good he is. And I don't want us to get so fear-based from what might happen if we try some things to see people see who God is by using what he's given us. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, the latter part of the verse says this. I don't know. I'll open it up. Let's have the band come back up. Second Timothy chapter one, verse 12. He said, Paul says at the end of the verse when he's talking about even in a difficult situation, he's in prison. I mean, I think if you're sitting in prison for doing the things that God has called you to do and asked you to do, you begin to wonder some days, God, was it worth it? Did I do the right thing? Are you still working in this situation? And he says this, he says to Timothy, he, he says, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him. He's able to guard what I've entrusted to him. I think we just need to stir up our faith a little bit to believe that who we are and how we've been created and the things God has put on the inside of us, they mean something to someone else. Instead of us thinking, well, so-and-so always gets asked, or they're better for that, or God will use someone else. I think we got to come back to a place where we say, Lord, if I'm your son, if I'm your daughter, if you've created me and, and these things are in me, Lord, show me how to guard the thing you've deposited inside of me. Don't let the enemy tell me it's not valuable. Don't let me hear from people that it's not good enough. Lord, help me guard that, but Lord, help me trust you as I begin to use that for my life, my family, my future, your glory. Because I believe that God is working and he's building a body of believers and people that are actually going to bring a hope 
to this region that he's been trying to bring for the last hundred years and he has brought through many different people but seasons change and people who are on the forefront of things change and people who served in this church 30 years ago don't know your friends and neighbors and so God is always working with stewards and people to bring the things he's put on the inside of you to show other people his goodness and there is a hidden hope inside of each and every single one of us and we have to get back to a place where we say God I I don't even know if I believe that and we have to start believing it for our lives again before we can take it to other people in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14 to 16 it says this It says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new wind of teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with uh, with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. This is the desire of God for your life. The deposit that he's made, the trust that he's put inside of you, the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have are to work together with God's people. Why? So that the whole body, so that every single person who needs to know Jesus, who comes in this room, can be healthy, can be growing, and can be full of love. And this is in the context of talking about Uh, apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and they equip the saints to do the work of the ministry because every single person has potential and a purpose and a hidden hope inside of them that is going to help people be healthy, growing, and full of love. And today as we close, I just want us to ask ourselves three questions. Why don't we stand? As we sing one last song, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. Number one, what am I believing? What have you been believing about who you are and what God has put inside of you? Because fear will try and cause you to bury and hide every single thing that God is trying to use and grow and bring forth a fruitfulness in your life. We can choose to bury and hide or we can choose to sow and reap. We can choose to invest and grow in the things that God has for us. But it comes down to what are we believing? Do we believe that I'm a nobody and it doesn't really matter and I shouldn't get involved? No, you should. Because God has created you with a purpose and for a purpose. He saved you for a purpose that you might show many people his glory, his goodness. But the second question I have for us to ask ourselves today is this, is what are we investing in? What are you giving your time and moments to that are actually gonna strengthen, build you, and cause you to grow? Because what you invest in will change your future. And I think spiritually, emotionally, physically, the principle is true. But this verse wouldn't leave my my head all week long. I I hear where David says in, in Psalms, he says, Your word I've hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. You want to invest in integrity and a future and leadership and all of those things. You know where David found that start? He goes, I've invested in the word. I've hidden it in my heart. 
I've taken time to know what God says and hear his voice and be in his presence because that investment is going to pay off when it comes down the line and I have to make some tough decisions or I don't know what to do or where to turn. The investment you make today will strengthen you for tomorrow. And what I want to ask us is, what are we investing in in this season and in this time? Because just like you, I have a million things pulling me a hundred directions. Drive this kid here, show up for this, be at this thing, do this, do that. And the easiest thing, if I'm just being real honest, in our spiritual walk with God to slip is the investment in a depth in the Word of God, our prayer time, the presence of God, or even showing up at church. But when we invest and say, God, I am making a deposit of my time, of my family, into your presence, into your house, we know, Brandy and I can tell you, we know that that pays dividends and returns in the future in generations, but it takes an investment and a willingness to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prioritize this. So I think we need to ask ourselves, what are we investing in? And lastly today is this, is where do we need to grow? I don't have to ask about a hundred different areas, but I believe that as we lift up this song, the Holy Spirit can show you, hey, here's an area that I want you to grow in right now. It might be in your spiritual health. It might be in your emotional, relational health. It might be in your physical health. And I think sometimes if we're honest enough to ask the Lord, where do I need to grow? We don't ask those questions because he'll show us. Because his goal and his purpose in our lives is not to be like, I'm angry at you and you didn't do this and you didn't make enough and you didn't hit all these goals and mark points. No, his goal is, can I help you grow and steward and become better tomorrow because you have everything in you through Jesus Christ to become who you have been called to be. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or are looking to get connected in any further way, head to saintschurch.ca and we would love to meet you.